Help me welcome our internet audience. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we're in a series called Thrive. Everybody say Thrive. And I trust that you're thriving. And if not, trust that uh, uh, out of this, you can start to really get some traction and roots and, and begin to thrive. Let's go ahead and go to our main passage here of Scripture in Psalm 92. It says, the righteous shall flourish or thrive like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish or thrive in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. Can I get an amen for the scripture this morning? Amen. Well, we're looking at thriving and um, there's a bottom line thought that I'm just trying to get across to you. And you have to cross this threshold really to begin to thrive. And And it's simply this. God does not want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive. He doesn't want you. And please think your whole life. Don't think just one area. He wants you to thrive. And we've got to get out of a, a mindset of victim or less than or this or that and, and just realize, yeah, I've got God on my side. And if God is for me, amen. If God is for me, well, let me rephrase it. What difference does it make who's against me if God is for me? And God wants to help us and he wants us to thrive. And, and you know this about anything else in life and it's true of, of this as well. Raising a baby, raising a garden, running a business, uh, doing whatever you would be doing, cooking a meal, whatever it would be. There are some, some steps and there's some elements of that that it can be almost predictable on how that's going to turn out or not. You know, what? I can remember my mom say, don't, don't come through here and don't slam doors because she was baking a cake and the cake was going to fall, you know. And uh, so she found the best way to bake cakes and have me as a son is we had a screen door with a hook on it. So she put me on the other side of that, and so I'm outside, okay? So, uh, and she made some great cakes. But it is virtually predictable that there are some reasons, spiritual reasons, practical reasons. There are root issues, there are surface issues that you can look at and pretty, pretty much tell, well, if they're doing that, that is not going to go well. Or you can look and say, you know, because they're doing that, they're going to be all right. And you, you can see those elements, and it's very important for us to, to realize this, that this is not just some throw the dice or just some lane that we got assigned to. We need to know that God does not want you to just survive. God wants to help you so that you can thrive. Amen. Amen. Now, we have looked, and um, there's imagery throughout Scripture of all kinds of things, but in particular to this is a tree, a tree. As a matter of fact, our logo, our symbol for the, for the church always has been a tree by, planted by a river of water. Um, we get it out of Jeremiah 17. It's also in Psalm 1. And then we've found in this passage here and other passages as well that that tree, the imagery of that tree, the metaphor of that tree is symbolic of our life. And what God wants for our life is not that we're a tumbleweed, not that we're this this, you know, broken down tree that will fall over any day, but it's a tree that is planted, that can handle the seasons. It knows where its source is. It continues to bear fruit. And that's the point I want to make by these trees being strong and fruitful and continuing to bear fruit. That's a sign that it's thriving. 
And so bear in mind that idea of fruit. And let's go to the New Testament in the book of Galatians and look here. It says, but the fruit, everybody say fruit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of you thought I was describing you? Okay. But this is the fruit of the spirit. Now get this. Uh, how many of you know you could do a better job? You could put out more effort to be more loving and joyful and peaceful and kind. And, come on, y'all, y'all with me? Okay. How many of you, you could do a better job at that? But that's not what this is talking about. I think we should work hard and do these things. Scripture even tells us be kind and, and you know, a number, be at peace. As far as it depends on you, be at peace. All of these things, Scripture encourages us in these things. But this is the fruit of the Spirit. If we try to have these things in our life just as a result of, I'm going to try better, I'm going to do harder, I'm going to be nice to people. If you do that, that's like duct taping fruit to a tree. That's like nailing it, stapling it, you know, wedge it up there, hope it stays. Okay? And that's not what we're talking about here. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And when you have this in your life, it is definite indicators that you are thriving because you're becoming more and more like him. And so this is the fruit of the spirit. The Amplified Bible reads this way. It says, but the fruit of the spirit, and then it puts in brackets, the work, get this, the work which his presence within accomplishes is, and then it goes on to list the fruit. So what is the fruit of the spirit? It's the work which his presence, whose presence, the Holy Spirit, his presence within accomplishes. And so this is from, you ready? From the inside out. It's from the inside out. You should be working on all of these, but ideally it's the Holy Spirit producing his fruit in our lives. And that fruit develops and grows and ripens and over time and over process. And uh, those things become evident in our life. Now, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And it's, it's amazing to me that when you mention Holy Spirit, and especially in a setting like this, because we come from all kinds of different traditions and backgrounds, that some people are super excited about that and some people are like, oh, well, what's this going to be? And so it's amazing to me the amount of discomfort around the one who Jesus introduced as the comforter. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? So let me go ahead and just, I'm, I'm going to beeline to this here this morning. Two takeaways that you, you must have concerning any apprehension or discomfort you may have about the Holy Spirit. Let, let me say this first of all. Any discomfort you have regarding the Holy Spirit is not from the Scripture. And it's not from the Holy Spirit himself. It's from people. And, and, and people either are misinformed, uninformed, or misrepresent the Holy Spirit. And uh, so please know that any discomfort is not from Scripture. And it's not from the Holy Spirit. It's from people. And so here's two things that you must know this morning about the Holy Spirit. First of all, right here, he is not weird. Everybody say it. He's not weird, okay? And then here's the second thing. Build on that. He won't make you weird. We read that. He won't make you weird, okay? So you say, well, hold on, Pastor, because I know some people, and they're Holy Spirit this and Holy Spirit that and Holy Spirit that, and they're weird. Let me, let me just break it to you this way. They'd be weird no matter what they were doing, okay? So don't blame the Holy Spirit for this, okay? And he is awesome, 
And we're going to look at a role in his life, in our life rather, that helps us to be able to thrive. Let's look in John chapter 16, verse 14 in the New King James. Jesus said, I will pray or I will ask the Father and he will give you, now zero in on this, another helper. Everybody say another helper. Key in on this word, another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Jesus is about to leave He's preparing his followers and he says, I'm going to be leaving, but I've prayed and the, and the father is going to send you not just a helper. He's going to send another helper. And this is not just any helper. This word right here in the Greek is the Greek word alos, A-L-L-O-S. You don't need to remember that, but it means this. Exactly the same. The only difference would be number. Okay. And so Jesus being the first helper or comforter, and the only difference is this is another one. But it's going to be exactly the same except that it's another one. Are y'all, are y'all following me? No, nothing different. It's just he's exactly the same in his role as helper and comforter to you. In essence, Jesus is saying he will do in my absence what I would do for you if I was physically present with you. Did y'all get that? So Jesus is saying he's just like me. He's just like me. So he will do... While I'm gone, he will do for you exactly what I will do for you if I was here present with you. And so another helper. So that just helps me because how many of you like Jesus? How many of you like Jesus with you all the time to, you know, to guide you, help you, encourage you. And, and he's saying, he's, he's going to do the same thing, same way, same way, but I'm going to go. And so right now we have the heavenly father seated in heaven. On the throne, at his right hand is Jesus, who's completed his earthly ministry, seated at the right hand, and the agent of action, the agent of power, the agent of presence of the Godhead in the earth today is the Holy Spirit. Okay, everybody with me so far? All right. Now, if you and I, think about this, if you and I had never been to a church, if you and I had never watched Christian television, and all we done, the only thing we had read was the Old Testament and New Testament, then we would have great expectations and eager desire for the Holy Spirit and everything to do with him. And so there are a lot of little side issues about the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do is put all the side issues aside. You know, sometimes you mention Holy Spirit and immediately the conversation goes to no makeup or too much makeup. And how many of you know neither one has anything to do? With, with the Holy Spirit. Y'all with me? Yeah. All right. And so let's lay all the little side issues aside and just, just go to the heart of this. And it's this. We can never fully thrive without the Holy Spirit. We can never fully thrive without the Holy Spirit. Look at this in John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. So... When we thrive, that vitality, that life, being full of life, it's not just because we perk ourselves up. It's because the Spirit gives us life. He's the one who makes us alive spiritually. He's the one who makes us alive in every way. And it is the Spirit who gives life. Look at this in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. The prophet says, not by might, nor by power. Help me with this. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So there are things that you and I try to do, accomplish, overcome by might and by power that we just can't seem to do. Bob your head if that's you. 
I mean, we just can't seem to be consistent even. At, at, at best, we're inconsistent. And so there are things that we're trying to accomplish by might and by power that we can't do that the Spirit can do in our lives. Look at this in the message paraphrase here. It says, you can't force these things. They only come about through my Spirit, says the God of the angel armies. That's good stuff right there. So, bearing all of that in mind, we cannot fully thrive without the Holy Spirit. All right, let's shift gears just a little bit here. When you become a believer, when you become a believer, look at me for this, you become a temple. I want you to think about it. When you become a believer, you become a temple. You become a dwelling place. You become a home for God, for his Holy, for his Holy Spirit. Let's look here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, do you not know? So what's Paul trying to do? He's helping to know something. Do you not know that you, say me, you are the temple of God and that the Holy Spirit dwells where? In you. So when you become a believer, you become a temple. He takes up residence in you. You're his address. You have a residence. That's where you live. That's where you dwell. And you know what? We'll find in, the, in a verse here in a, mo- in a moment related to this. And I'm no longer my own. I am, you are, when I become a believer, I become a temple. I become a dwelling place of God. Paul says, don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body, oh wow, everybody say my body. That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We got to stop right there. Everybody say my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You need to think about that. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is, whoa, what? Who is in you? Who is in you? The Holy Spirit, whom you have from God and you are not your own. So when you, when you become a believer, you become a temple. And church, listen, you must realize this. You must know this. The most obvious difference between a believer and a non-believer, get this now. The most obvious difference between a believer and a non-believer is a believer has a revelation of God and his love. When I became a believer, when you became a believer, it wasn't because we were special. Please move to the head of the line. Somehow I was able to see, I got a revelation. Ah, I get it. It's that aha moment. Of God, you believed, and his love, he loves me. And out of his love, he did all of this. And so the only difference, the starting place, the most obvious difference then between that believer and the non-believer is that revelation of God and his love. All right, keep that in mind, and let's go to just believers now. The most obvious difference between a believer that is spiritual, not weird, but spiritual and victorious, and a believer who is carnal and defeated, the difference there is a revelation of the spirit with me and the spirit in me. Are y'all getting that? The difference between a believer who's thriving and a believer who's not thriving 
I believe largely hinges on a revelation that you can see, that you understand, that you get it, that Paul said, don't you realize this? A revelation of the Spirit with me and the Spirit in me. Everybody say, the Spirit is with me and the Spirit is in me. All right. Now, Paul was writing to the believers at Corinth. They're believers, but they were a mess and they were making messes. And Paul was saying, here's two of the passages here. They were doing, listen to me, they were being super impure. They're believers, but there was some horrible things going on, some real perverse things going on. And beyond that, they were selfish. Beyond that, they were, they had no self-control. They were just acting like kids with no chaperones. And it was, it was bad news. And yet they were believers And so Paul kind of analyzed, diagnosed the whole thing and came back with this. I know what your problem is. Here's your problem. Is that you don't know that the Holy Spirit is in you. And he said that to the Corinthians. Here's your problem. You don't understand that the Holy Spirit lives in you. He dwells in you. You, even your body, everybody say my body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and he lives in you. That's your problem. That's what he told the Corinthians. Guess what? I want to tell you your problem. And my problem is we lose sight of that. When we throw our fit, when we do this, however big, however bad, however small, however, whatever it is that's off course, we we are losing sight in a couple of different ways that the Holy Spirit lives in me. When you become a believer, you become a temple and the Holy Spirit lives in you. In the context of one of these passages, Paul even said this. He said, listen. This is why you as a believer cannot, cannot unite yourself with a prostitute. This is why you as a believer cannot connect yourself in impure fornication, marriage outside, or excuse me, uh, relations outside of, of marriage. This is why you can't behave this way. This is why you can't do this and you can't do that. Because you cannot join the Holy Spirit. You can't expose the Holy Spirit that's in you to those things. Now, you're not quite getting it, so let me illustrate it this way. How many of you love babies? Y'all are the mean crew. All right. All right, so let's say I've got a little, little baby, precious, pure little baby. And I go, baby, we are going for a night on the town. We're going drinking. I promise you I'm going to get in a bar fight tonight. Then we're going to go to some strip clubs, and then we're going to go to the high line. We're, we're going to do all this stuff, little baby. And how many of you know that if somebody went out with a little baby like that, first of all, they're going to get arrested? Are you all hearing me? Why? Because you don't, you don't expose that little baby to that kind of stuff. Are you, you, you don't do that. If you did that, somebody should beat you up. And I'll hold you while they do it, all right? And after. But listen, 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 how dare you? How dare you take that pure little baby and expose them to all the other stuff that the flesh might want to do? Okay, now come back over here again. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And that's why sometimes, you know what? I can't go there. I can't watch that. I can't be a part of this. I'm not, I, I can't. Why? 
One big reason is because I can't take the Holy Spirit and expose him to these kind of things. I can't bring him in proximity to these kind of things when he's chosen in me. He's aware of all those things. He's out there too, but in living in me, I can't expose him to those things. Amen. Listen, sometimes when you go and do whatever you do that, you know, because my flesh want to do this, my friends want to do this, and we, and we go and do, do all those things, and later you feel some guilt and you feel some shame and some remorse. Let me tell you, that's not all you're feeling. Part of also what you're feeling is you've grieved the Holy Spirit. You've saddened the Holy Spirit. Would you do that on purpose? No. It's we forget. We don't realize that he's in us. The other part of this is he's saying you're behaving in this way because you don't know the Holy Spirit's in you. You're not asking him to help you to overcome these things. And so it is vital. Our answer, my answer, your answer is if we're going to thrive, it's going to take the Holy Spirit helping us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, his main ministry, listen, he has external works. He has internal works. Concern yourself with the internal work of the Holy Spirit. That's his main daily ministry, personal ministry in your life. External take care of itself. But here's some of the things he does, personal and daily in your life. He leads us. He guides us. He reminds us. He shows us things. He teaches us. He comforts us. He strengthens us. He helps us in prayer. He gives us power. He gives us love. He gives us fruit. He gives us gifts. He does the supernatural and he does the unexplainable that I'm unwilling to do without. Now, what do you mean unexplainable, supernatural? Let me ask you, how many of you have been in a situation before? And there's no explanation for this, but you've got God's peace. And you've got some confidence that God's going to see you through. And God guides you and helps you. How many of you have watched situations change and suddenly doors open or doors close and God lead and order your steps? And it's like, I can't explain that. I don't know how that happened. But it's the Holy Spirit helping you, right? And... I can't explain it and it's supernatural and it happens in all our lives and we need to pay attention to that. And I'm frankly just unwilling to do without the supernatural, unexplainable help of the Holy Spirit in our life. And he's with us and he's in us. And listen, I'm not going to dumb down our our beliefs. We cannot dumb down our faith and leave out the Holy Spirit to just have some kind of mental thing that the world will buy into. What the world needs to see is the supernatural, the unexplainable happening in our life. It's your coworker seeing you be at perfect peace and rest. And they know the trouble that you're going through. Forget the old model while we try to pretend and present to people. Got it all together. Praise Jesus. Then you're drinking in the bathroom. You know, it's like, oh God, I don't know what to do. And then you come back out. Praise the Lord. Sorry, Pastor Ron. He just said, Pastor Tim. So, all right. On with the program. All right. I, uh, there's a major teaching that I want to just give you barely a thumbnail on that will help us here. And we teach on this from time to time, but this morning, I just want to touch on this. I call it the full work of the Holy Spirit, the full work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you four different levels on this, but there's actually levels preceding this. Um, how many of you know that before you became a Christian, before you a believer, how many, how many of you know the Holy Spirit was at work in your life? Yes. Amen. How many of you, some of you, he saved your hide. Yes. Okay. And 
directed you and, and helped you and preserved you and showed you things. You, you, you know, if you look back, you know, wow, wow. Even before I surrendered to you, you were at work, you were at work in my life. Come on, if that's you again, I want, I want, I want to see you. And, okay, so that's part. That's part of his work. You know what that is? I just love him so much, I can't leave him alone. And he's working to woo and to draw and to, to bring you to him. So the full work of the Spirit, the first step then is this, Spirit-born. Spirit-born. Everybody say Spirit-born. In John chapter 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, I, hold on, hold on, I don't, I don't get this. Does this mean I have to go back to my mother's womb and be born again? He goes, no, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. You're already born, you got that, you're done, you're here. He said, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he said that, and, and let me add on to, to this here. Our human spirit is regenerated by the Holy Spirit when we believe in Jesus. And that's when our human spirit is born again and is alive with the life of God because we were spirit born. So Jesus said you must be. So this is a must. Spirit born must. Second one is this. Spirit filled. And again, I'm just giving this a a brief treatment. Spirit filled. Everybody say spirit filled. Okay, this is a command. Spirit born is a must. Spirit filled is a command. Paul, one instance in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and in the Greek language, it's structured as a strong imperative command. Be filled with the Spirit. And we know that we are to be filled. I believe there's an initial filling. I believe there are many fillings. The whole point is this. Don't get stuck on one or the other. Just stay full. Amen. And we've got to stay full and keep being filled because we what? Leak. We leak. Okay, no problem with the Holy Spirit, but with us sometimes. And so here, please know this about spirit filled. Sometimes we hear, well, we're spirit filled. Okay, but, but let me make this real clear. That's not the pinnacle. That's not the touchdown. That's not the finish line. Okay, let me take you a little bit further. Spirit born, a must. Spirit filled, A command. Everybody should be spirit-born, spirit-filled. Let's go to the next one. Spirit-led. Spirit-led. Everybody say spirit-led. Spirit-led. Get this. That's the key. That's the key. This is the difference. Because it's possible to be spirit-born and spirit-filled, but not spirit-led. And in that case, it's kind of like this. And and please just hear this for, for an illustration only. How many of you have a smartphone? Okay, y'all are the most technologically advanced service so far. The rest of you put one on your Christmas list, okay? All right, so you can have a smartphone, and today's smartphones have more technology and power than we had available to us when they landed on the moon. No joke. And so you can have your smartphone and your iPhone or whatever brand you have. Call out yours. Call out yours real quick. What do you have? See, all those. And um, so you've got those. And it has all these features and it has all these apps that you can. It, it is endless what you're going to do with the apps. And if you are just spirit born and spirit filled, you got the phone and it's loaded. But you just wear it on your cute little holster there. I got my phone. <laughs> and you don't do anything with it. And so even one of the features, very basic, is a calculator. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I happen to need one. And so calculator and I could stand two of you up right now. I get somebody with a smartphone and somebody, I could do that stuff in my head. And I go, okay, 167,000 
divided by 6.2 plus 11 divided by 4 minus 1. Okay, one guy's got a headache. Another guy's got an answer. And so it's like if I have this, but I don't use this. Or another feature is GPS and maps and things like that. You know, some people, I don't, I don't need, I find my way anywhere. Right? Or you can do like mine, you can put in an address or you can even talk to it. Help me find the airport. And my kids always correct me, dad, just talk normal and you don't have to talk that close. Works better for me. I'm old. I'm not. And it'll tell you, and it'll map it, and it'll tell you the whole way. And if you don't like the lady telling you, you can get a British guy telling you on there. <laughs> or, I'll find it. Any guy worth his salt can find his way around. Two hours later, you ask somebody for directions. They go, all right, tell you what you need to do. You go down here, and there's a cow by a tree. <laughs> or usually there he is. You know, and then another two hours later, you're going to make it. So, you know, how do you want to live life? I want to, I want to live my life led. My, my phone even has an app that's a flashlight. So, you know, you can grope around on the driveway trying to find that thing you lost. Or you can boop and, and find it. How many, of you know the, how many of you had the Holy Spirit help you find some stuff a lot quicker then? Okay. All right. So, spirit born a must. Spirit filled a command. Spirit led This is viva la difference right here. This is the key. This is the turning point that we allow him to lead us. And all of this leads down to the fourth level, which is the goal, which is this spirit formed, spirit formed, that his life would be seen in us, that his fruit is coming through us. Are you with me so far? And I want to wrap this up this morning. When we're led by the spirit, Jesus said that he would guide us into all truth, which implies he would guide us out of all error. So if we're being led, he's guiding us into all truth. I believe that he will guide us out of all error. We also find that when we live by the, by the dictates of the flesh, Romans tells us if we're led by the flesh, we're going to die. You know, and that's going to separate us from God. But if we will let the spirit guide us, then we, we're not under obligation to the flesh. We'll actually be able to kill the deeds of the flesh. And it goes on to say, because the children of God are led by the spirit of God. And then in Galatians 5.16, let's go ahead and get that one. Galatians 5.16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves or the things that are blocking you from thriving. And so as we're led by the Spirit, we're more able to be formed by the Spirit. And look at this in Galatians 4.19. My little children for whom I labor and birth again until Christ is what? Formed in you. Some other translations bring it out a little better. The New Living Translation says, until Christ is fully developed in your life. The message says, until Christ's life becomes visible in your lives. No longer am I just trying to be good and and duct tape fruit on my life. Instead, it's a real work that I'm actually being spirit formed as you allow yourself to be spirit led. But again, spirit born, a must. Spirit filled, a command. Spirit led is the key and spirit formed is the goal. The spirit gives life. 
And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And it's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's living in us and leading us. And that's what I want you to take out of here today. The Holy Spirit is living in me and the Holy Spirit is leading me. And if you'll be aware that he is living in me and he is leading in me, he will be the one who is helping you to move from where you are to where God wants you to be. Amen.